Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Leonard Kim here back again with another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Now, imagine if you could grow your influence in an amazing way where it goes from one generation to the second generation, even down to the third generation. It's possible. And what we have here today with us is Rochelle Clark. She's a global strategist and a business success expert. She's worked with Fortune 500 companies like Accenture, IBM, Heineken, and all these other companies out there. Uh, she just released a book. It's called The Five Critical Succession Conversations. And it's basically a comprehensive guide for the family business debuts of today. Um, Rochelle, would you like to take a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I think you did a fantastic job. Um, I think most of what I have focused on, especially when it comes to family businesses, is around business continuity. Um, we also have a, a very important member on the team who is Dr. Donna Witten, who is an organizational psychologist, because one of the major areas that we see needs a lot of help is around communication. But I think we'll speak about that a little bit later on in the episode. Sure, it sounds like a plan. So you came up with the title of your book, The Five Critical Succession, uh, Succession Conversations, a, co- a Comprehensive Guide for the Family Business. Now, what's with mm-hmm. the title? Like, um, was there a way that you formulated it or something? Yeah, so this, this, is, this is a, succession is a major issue when it comes to family businesses. Because there's actually an old Chinese proverb that says that wealth does not sustain beyond three generations. And in a number of cultures, this this is is more or less the mantra when it comes to family businesses. They're really not expected to sustain. Um, And in the research that we've done, what we found, and, and in our work as well, what we found is that a lot of the family businesses fail because of communication. The reasons always boil down to communication in one way or another. So what we decided to do is put our expertise together and as well as our experience, and we said, well, what are the critical conversations? Where are we missing when it comes to family businesses? And we came up with what would be the five critical succession conversations that every family business should be prepared to master when it comes to ensuring that they are ready for the succession process. Interesting. That's pretty cool. Like, I'm not sure if you've watched TV recently, but there's this new show. It's a reality TV show. It's called Blood Money. And basically what it does is it talks about, like, one, uh, the uh, father or the mother passing down the business to the son or uh, daughter and how they have to go through a Mm -hmm. challenge in 30 days to make it happen. I thought it was really interesting because some people make it through, some people don't. And there's, like, this whole, you know, they glorify it, make it look a lot different than what it really is. But it's really, really entertaining from a consumer point of view. I'm like, wow, this is great. And then, like, like I could see it. Like, let's say you have a woodworking business, and then you have a 20-year-old trying to get into the business and take ownership of it. Is it like, do they even want it? What conversations are they having? So I think the topic that you have is great because there's a lot of family businesses out there that do need to move on to the next generation. And some people are prepared and some people aren't. 
And I think that's kind of like what the book's about, right? Like having those conversations, figuring out if it's right to pass it on and things like that. Is that what the book's kind of like um, really summarizing? Yes, absolutely. Um, And we list the five conversations that need to be had. You know, one of the most critical ones is, is, is around that foundational conversation. Do you even want this business? To begin with, in, in in a lot of dynamics, what we find is that um, the the successor ends up receiving a business that he or she may not be as passionate about, but due to a sense of obligation to the parents, they more or less take on this responsibility, which is no small feat. And yeah. without that passion that it takes to really drive the business forward then, you know, the, the, the chances of success of that business are greatly diminished. Yeah, I, I have a lot of friends who, um, I guess they either got lucky or very unlucky, and they got to take over the family business. <laughs> Some of them are really happy and they're thriving with it. Others are like, oh, my God, I just can't wait to get out of this. I don't know how to tell my dad that I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> yes, yes, we see a lot of that. And, and a lot of that is cultural as well. In some yeah. cultures, due to the hierarchy, the, the kids almost don't, or, or I wouldn't say kids, but, but, but the, the children of the owners don't feel as though they have a voice to really state what their position is. So they can't yeah. come out necessarily and say, you know what, this is not really what I am passionate about, mom or dad, or aunt or uncle. My true passion lies in X, Y, or Z. And in having those very open and honest conversations, it could be that the end that the solution they end up with is also for the successor to still remain in the business, but in another um, in another area, you know. But but a lot of the times that is not uncovered because mm. of the hesitation and the avoidance of actually having the conversation. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, coming from an Asian background, like a lot of my friends, they're like, yeah, I had to go to med school because my parents made me. Yeah, I had to go to law yeah. school because my parents made me. What I really want to do is art. I want to go out there and design videos. I want to do something completely different. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot of people just feel that struggle where they can't even bring up the conversation to begin with. So I think if your book like Absolutely. teaches people how to even start that conversation, like maybe Absolutely. they can uncover a different thing because like, like most businesses don't just have the role of the CEO where the person's running the entire thing. Maybe there's creative mm-hmm. roles within that business too, or maybe exactly. uh, someone really exactly. likes finance. They can fit there. And I think that yep. that conversation, just opening up that conversation, that's pretty critical. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we have seen solutions where um, successors have come in and once they have had the courage and to have those open conversations, They've ended up leading the business, but not necessarily from the CEO position, no. you know. So it could be that they're, the, they're, they're in charge of marketing and they're still, you know, the de facto um, person in charge or owner of the business. So it can be manifested in a number of ways as long as the intentions of both parties are, are, are on the table. Yeah, I even remember when I started my own business, like, 
everyone's like, you're, you're the CEO, right? I'm like, no, I don't want to be the CEO. Yeah. I don't want to be the CEO of anything. <laughs> I'm in charge of marketing. <laughs> if you want to yeah. running the company then I'm like, um, someone else, not me, but I do marketing. And it's like, like, even if you're starting a brand new business from scratch, like taking on that CEO role is ex- extremely tough. Like you have to go out there and raise money. You have to go out there and shake hands, be the face of the company. And like, it's, so much for one position and a lot of people like if I was like 22 and my dad was like or my mom was like here here's the keys to the business you have to run everything I'd be like I don't want them take it back <laughs> yeah, but you know then then you know then is when we deal with things like um the guilt um of of the successor and um this sense of deep sense of obligation. So yeah. they, they end up more or less um, suppressing that and, and, you know, killing themselves in the process and, and mm-hmm. not doing the business a whole lot of favor. And so yeah. it, it's not a good situation. <laughs> yeah, there's that. So what do you think are, the, are, actually, it's not what do you think, it's, um, you, you wrote the book. So what are the five critical <laughs> conversations around yeah, what we found is that the, the the difficult conversations tend to fall into five areas. Mm-hmm. The first one is that foundational conversation that we spoke about. You know, are you interested? What are your interests? You know, are you interested in running this business? That is where it all starts. Then there's the owner's decision, mm-hmm. where the owner comes out and says, you know, this is my choice of successor. Mm-hmm. Um, in that process, you know, there could be case where there are multiple potential successors. So in stating whom the successor is, that person will also, on the flip side, have to state who is not the successor and deal with the implications of that. Yeah. So it's the foundation, it's the owner's decision, it's the successor's decision that also needs to be open and very clearly stated, just like you said, not assumed, but stated, <laughs> yes, I am interested in taking over this business or yeah. no, I am not interested in taking over the business, but I would like to have a role in it. Mm-hmm. Or, no, I am not interested in taking over the business. My passions lie elsewhere, and I would like to pursue that. But it's yeah. being very clear in stating openly your decision. So we've covered three. The foundation, mm-hmm. the owner's mm-hmm. decision, the successor's decision. A big one is around performance management. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And the, the issue here is that, well, it's, it's a multiple of, of, of scenarios that fall under performance management. One of the big ones is around underperformance. Yeah. Um, family businesses, when it comes to holding family members to account for performance in the professional way that a business should be run, to ensure that the business is run in a professional way, we find that that tends to be a weakness. You know, that, that, that yeah. conversation to, to, to hold your son or your daughter, you know, you're underperforming. I need you to step up in X or Y or Z way. That, that, yeah. that's, a, that's a tense one. Yeah, it's pretty hard. I mean, even in just the household itself, like I remember when I used to play video games and my mom would be like, stop playing video games and I keep playing. <laughs> or, or when it's like, oh, go outside, do something, go do something, go go to the store, go to the store, go to the store. They have to say it like a hundred times. I'm like, okay, I'll go to the store. So I mean, like the family dynamics, like in the business, it's even more difficult because like kids don't really listen to their parents to begin with most of the time. Yeah, 
and and now you know now the 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 parent or or the person in charge has to put um consequences into place and it could be that that you know it maybe it's not a son or daughter but maybe it's a niece or nephew <laughs> you know and that gets tough yeah yeah and like there's a lot oh. of situations like that where it's like <clears throat> sometimes you just can't talk to that person in that different in that way and then maybe you might have to even bring in an intermediary in between to have that discussion absolutely Absolutely, and that's a solution um, that we see some businesses take, where they bring in a third party to to mm-hmm. help broker um, that conversation. Because you know, at the end of the day, you want the business to succeed, but you also want to keep the family unit intact. Yeah, of course. You know, so it's a delicate mm-hmm. balance that that you have to that you have to walk. Um, so yes, that that's one of the major performance management conversations that we have. One big one now that we also have is around owners not wanting to, or, or successors who feel as though they don't have a voice that's heard by the owner. Oh, yeah. That you sounds know? pretty difficult. <laughs> it's, hey, I have this fantastic new idea, but my dad doesn't want to even listen to me. Or mm. my mom doesn't want to listen to me. Or they don't want to consider it, but they don't see the potential that, you know, the, the business can have if we were to just do this or that in a different way. You know, so so that's a long um, performance uh, as well. Um, yeah. And the, the, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no! I was just saying, yeah. Like it, I, I'm just watching like my friends' conversations, like you know, TV shows and things like that. I'm like, this is so like close to home. <laughs> Except for uh, I'm not part yeah. of the family business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but you know, and it, it's a it's a tight rope that they have to walk. So. The five critical conversations that do have to do with the succession of the of the business are the foundation, the owner's decision, the successor's decision, performance management, and we address a number of scenarios under each of these. And the final critical conversation, which is actually a conversation that we hope businesses never have to have um, mm-hmm. unless it's something that, that's a part of the plan, and that's around the exit. Mm. Um, there could come a time in the family business when for one reason or another, the family needs to consider the closure of the family business. Yeah. And this, this, this can be a very intense emotional um, time for the family because it can have intense emotional, financial implications um, because this could have been the way that the family was really um, surviving. You know, this is how they were sustaining their lifestyle. And for one reason or another, if it could be that the business just was underperforming, it could be due to lack of a successor, it could be due to failing health of an owner, a mm-hmm. number of reasons that this particular conversation, it's critical because it needs to be handled with the utmost of professionalism, patience, empathy, understanding. It needs to be had um, we hope it's not had, but but in the event that it does need to be had, we need to ensure that it's being done in the right way. Yeah, a lot of times when businesses do have to exit, it usually becomes some kind of catastrophic event. And yeah. I see, like, for a family, how that could drive people apart, that could push them away, that could damage the relationships. And mm-hmm. that doesn't really look that pretty of a picture if it's not handled correctly. Yeah. You're absolutely right. 
You're absolutely right. Yeah. Well, um, what we'll do right now is we'll leave that thought for a moment and we'll hop off to a commercial break. Um, okay. Is there anywhere online that people could find you? Yes, absolutely. So the book and, and all of our conversation guides can be found at on our website, which is www.successionstrength.com. Perfect. And you can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Great. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim back here with Rochelle Clark. If you tuned into the first segment of this uh, show, we talked about the five critical succession conversations for uh, fa- and how that's a comprehensive guide for the family business. And that's her brand new book. And in that book, there's five topics. And that's the foundation, the owner's decision, the successor's decision, performance management, and the exit. And like... Yep. We've seen this everywhere. Like, you turn on the TV, you see a show about the Gettys. You turn on the TV, you see Empire. You see Succession. Mm -hmm. You see all these different shows on TV, and they're all about the family business and who gets it next, what happens, and things like that. And then, like, there's all these different components. And then, like, like in Succession, for example, the dad's like, here, son, this is your business. You're going to be in charge of everything. Then next thing you know, he's like, you know what? I need to run it for a little longer. Then he's like, you know what? I'm going to give it back to you. Then he's like, you know what? You're never going to run the company. And then, sure, it might be over-dramatized. But, like, in the business yeah. world, like, things like this do happen. Like, we get arguments yeah. with our yeah. parents or friends or family and things like that. 
And we have to Absolutely. have real conversations. And um, you, you, you described five critical conversations. What do you think is like the most important and the least important out of these five conversations? <laughs> well, there, there are five critical conversations. The most important one, um, because just because it lays the foundation for the entire succession process, for us would be the foundational conversation. This is the first step in succession. And it should be the place where there is an opening in the dialogue between the current owner and the intended successor. The seeds of the succession are sown in this conversation because this is where the owner or leader invites a potential successor to gauge their interest and passion as well as aptitude in taking over the business. Um, It's also the opportunity for that successor to state what their intentions are, what their passions are. Um, so this is this is the foundational conversation, and for for us, this is the most critical. You asked mm. about the least important conversation, <laughs> and Leonard, this conver- the book is the five critical conversations. So we do consider this also critical, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it's actually true. a conversation, <laughs> you yeah. know. But but it's a conversation that we actually hope that businesses never end up using. Yeah. And this conversation is around the exit. Um, as I was saying before the break, if things are not headed in the intended direction, it may be necessary to have a conversation to exit the business altogether. Mm. And there are many reasons why a family could consider closing a family business. But given the intense emotional and financial implications of such a decision, how this conversation is approached must be handled with professionalism, patience, tremendous amounts of empathy and understanding, and, and, and tremendous amount of skill, I should say. So for that reason, this conversation, although it's, it's the one that you hope to never have, you should still be um, knowledgeable and equipped to handle it if it did come up. Definitely. I can definitely see that. I remember when we first started talking about 20-something minutes ago, you mentioned something about a Chinese proverb and how that Chinese proverb says that like um, wealth or something doesn't travel past three generations. Um, I'm sure a lot of these critical conversations are elements as to why things don't progress that far, but do you think it's possible yeah. for wealth to surpass three generations, maybe go four, five, six, and you could pass that Absolutely. family business down further and further and further and create that influence and that legacy? Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, when it comes to family businesses, people, all, um, well, not, not people, but the general perception is that, oh, it's, 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 the little, it's the little store where there's the mom, the pop, and the son. But mm-hmm. just a few facts when it comes to family businesses, especially in the U.S., um, because I'm assuming most of the audience, most of the listeners are from the U.S., mm-hmm. but 64% of the U.S. GDP comes from family businesses. Um, and this is according to the family-owned business statistics and the Family Firm Institute. They estimate that 80 to 90% of businesses in the private sector are family businesses that employ about 57% of the country's workforce. So family businesses are actually a big deal. And the perception that we have that they, that they are more or less small businesses, while many of them are, 
Maybe the listeners would recognize some of these companies, actually. Ford Motor Company. Tyson Foods. Mars Chocolates. BMW. Tata Company. Walmart. (laughs) All of these are family-owned businesses. Huh. You know? From the surface, most people won't think they're family-owned businesses, but then, yeah, I I mean, like, I eat Tyson's chicken sometimes, and... (laughs) I, I know where Walmart is and how many of them there are, but like most people think family businesses are like, you know, that mom and pop shop like you mentioned, but family businesses could really grow and develop and become those huge enterprises. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. And with good preparation, good communication, it is most definitely possible. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing is like just if you track like the history of like how companies have developed over the years. Like in the 1920s and 30s, it were probably like steel and oil companies that were like in the top 10 companies. Then mm-hmm. in the 40s and 50s, it changed and so forth. And um, yeah. now yeah. it's like most of these hot giant tech giants. Um, and like to go from generation to generation to generation, like the world's changed so much in the last three years, let alone the last hundred years. Like, this family progression thing, like, it seems like a pretty difficult thing to really just keep up with, one, just the times and how things are changing. But um, <laughs> is, there, is, there like a, is there, like, an ultimate strategy to ensure that you're able to go through these things? Or, like, how do you absolutely, deal with it? Absolutely, like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, Leonard, what you bring up is, is, is absolutely on point. Um, just the nature of business changes from decade to decade. And one of the main things that some of these firms that have outlasted um, the year, throughout the years, one of the main things that they've done is they've consistently reinvented themselves, mm. you know? So innovation, bringing new ideas to the table, this is the lifeline of a family business. Mm. Um, and, but it, it can also be, it's an Achilles heel because it can also be a stumbling block if it is the, that the owners or the family itself, are not flexible and open enough to take on um, the innovations. Now, we're not saying that, that family businesses tend to be as aggressive as other companies when it comes to innovations, because in all, in all honesty, sometimes they are not. Sometimes they take a more conservative approach. Yeah. But when they do innovate, they innovate with purpose, and in most cases, their innovations tend to last. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, the secret to this is innovation, but with, with it, it's controlled innovation, you know. It, it's not to wipe the whole business out. As long as you have succession in mind and the longevity of the business in mind, then, then you do need to do it with, with some controlled or some measured approach. And uh, with all this um, talk about building a company that could last throughout generation and generation, that's kind of, was that the idea behind when you created your own business? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, So for me, the business succession strength was born out of personal tragedy, I would say. Mm. Um, a, A very close family member owned a thriving business and was grooming his daughter to succeed him. But unfortunately, he passed away before her preparation was complete, essentially leaving no strong successors. Um. So I, I recall flying home from, from the funeral and 
frantically as I was on the airplane, frantically, you know, using my expertise to come up with a business continuity plan for the business. But okay, at that point in time, it's a little bit too late to try to put a plan in place. Um, yeah. Well, how it turned out was that, you know, after the initial chaos that ensued in attempting to sort out his affairs and those of the business, the business took a major hit, losing the vast majority of its customers and really impacting oh, yeah. the lives of the family members. Yeah. 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 So, you know, after really thinking about this, this, this led me to wonder how a business that could have done everything so, in, in air quotes, right, in terms of having an executable succession plan in place, how could it still succumb to a succession vulnerability? Yeah. Um, and after seeing the impact of this, what I, what I decided to do is really dedicate efforts to helping family businesses prepare for and, successful, and successfully transition from generation to generation. I personally um, saw a department of a company, or I guess a program for a company, like the successor or the person who was running that department passed away. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they spent a lot of time looking for a replacement. Like they'd spent like months upon months upon months. And because that person passed away, like they took all their knowledge, their insights, the processes, the procedures and everything with them because, you know, there was like no documentation of how everything operated. Then shortly mm -hmm. after that happened, like the person who wanted the position and still had a lot of those resources didn't end up getting it and then went to someone else. So he felt frustration and he walked away too and he took his key players, right? Yeah. So yeah. next thing you knew, like what was left was like um, the bottom of the barrel, and it's like, how do you go and rebuild this thing? And that thing like took a tragic, and uh, the one the successor plan wasn't in play, kind of like you're discussing here. Yeah. It wasn't a family business, but still, a successor wasn't in play. Um, two, mm -hmm. because the success, the person who wanted to be the successor wasn't able to take on that role, they decided to part ways. And then ultimately, right. that whole thing just suffered. And then now some people are just trying to build that thing up from scratch. And it's like, how do you build something up from scratch when you don't know the infrastructure, you don't know what to do? Mm -hmm. and, and like, there's so many, like, you know, procedures that you have to just figure out. It's like, how does this work? How does that work? How were things done before? And you can't even go to people and ask how things were done before because no one nope. really even knows. <laughs> and then it's so easy for something like that to crumble. And then like, imagine if you were like in charge of like rebuilding that. That'd be pretty difficult. It, it was, and I've seen it. I have literally seen the fallout of that, you know? So um, when, when we, when we, deal with businesses, speaking from that personal experience, mm -hmm. my advice typically is while you're securing the future of the business with a succession plan, yes, that's important, but all businesses, including family businesses, need to prioritize securing the business for today first. Yeah. And by that, I mean put a business continuity plan in place to ensure that if something happens to the owner or other key employee, critical business functions and processes related to or supporting the delivery of core products and services can still resume. Yeah. And, you know, 
in all honesty, because I've created these before, these plans don't need to be very complicated. Um, we do have a, a template on, on the website, successionstrength.com, that, that clients seem to find valuable. But just like you were saying, when it comes to putting the procedures in place, you know, how do we make payroll, you know? Yeah. How do we pay our employees? Because it's something that you don't think about if you're not the one who's necessarily doing it month after month, you know? Yeah. But if you did have to do it, the question becomes, wait a minute, who gets paid what and how do I pay them? <laughs> what bank is our, our, our accounts at? Who has the signatory rights for these accounts? You know, so it, it's critical. Secure the business, today's business for today, you know, before you start thinking about the future. Yeah, it's crazy. Like one of my clients, Joseph Bradley, he's um, the vice president of Internet of Things over at Cisco. He has this whole concept called brain drain. And what brain drain is, is basically when you lose your key player, you lose all the information that goes with them too. And then like, mm-hmm. that, like death, the, the passing of a family member, someone else who's having to go and take charge, like, if they don't have that information, then uh, they don't know what to do. So one of the things that he always recommends is like laying out blueprints, documenting every single process. So like, let's say that person's out of work sick for like five days. Someone else could just pick up the document, read the document and know what to do to fill in for that role for five days. Or if something extremely tragic, like a death happens, they could overtake that entire role (laughs) in its entirety. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. And, and you know, um, there, there are insurance companies that offer insurance for if in, in the event that something happens to a, a, a key member of a business. But it comes down to that know-how that you were talking about. You know, when you open the doors, first of all, who has the key to open the doors? <laughs> and then, then the next thing may be, who has the passwords to log into our <laughs> accounts? Yeah. You know, you don't think about these things unless and until you're in an unfortunately dire situation um, when, when you really, really need them. So just taking a moment to think about the business's continuity is it, it's absolutely critical. Yeah. One thing that I want to talk about after we come back from the commercial break is like, what I think a lot of people would find valuable is like, let's say you were stuck in that kind of situation. Like how mm-hmm. would you figure everything out? But let's talk about that after the commercial breaks as people have something sure. to look forward to and tune back into. Um, right before that <laughs> sure. though, like um, you, you're saying that communication is probably one of the biggest problems that comes to uh, family businesses, right? Um, like yeah. how, how do you like really get that communication in order and how do you make sure that, that everything's communicated properly, um, everyone respects each other, no one gets emotional, and like, you kind of like run everything as smoothly as possible. Yeah, it, to be quite honest, it depends on the conversation that needs to be had. What we do is we, we lay out a roadmap that basically charts, okay, at this point, this is the conversation that should come first, second, mm-hmm. third, fourth. But, you know, with any human interactions, it could be that perhaps the owner isn't the one who is at as forthcoming, perhaps he is so constant, he or she is so concentrated running the business that yeah. they're, they're not really thinking succession. So in that case, what we say is, hey, successor, you can also step up to the plate and initiate some of these conversations as well, you know, 
And uh-huh. what we have are indi- individual conversation guides that walk um, each party, both the owner and the successor, through how they should approach about 18 different scenarios when it comes to businesses and succession. Oh, wow. um, and all of these, yeah, we have 18 scenarios that, that, that talk through some of the issues. And, and these are on the website. And what they are is basically we've taken the, 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 our expert, our organizational psychologist, who has basically sat down and said, if I were to distill my expertise in, in a very quick takeaway guide for businesses to use on their own, how would I guide them mm-hmm. um, through some of these conversations? So we've put that information in our conversation guides, which are, which are on the website. Um, she is, of course, available for, for coaching, but, but you know, it's, her reach is, is, is not, not as broad. Um, but yeah. we've distilled these into conversation guides because it, it's quite important how... Well, first of all, both parties need to understand why the conversations are so important in the first place. Mm. And then once they understand why those conversations are important, it's not only the, it's not always easy or they shouldn't necessarily approach it just from their standpoint. So we have considerations that they may keep in mind for mm-hmm. how the other party may be feeling and may be um, interpreting this behavior. And what to do in the event that the conversation isn't going the way that they intend. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And most times that advice is not, that advice is never to abandon conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Many times we say, you know, take a step back and, and, you know, think about a time when, um, you know, you've had a conversation that, a similar conversation that may have brought up some some negative emotions with mm-hmm. with with the person you're speaking to, and maybe try to avoid some of those triggers, or we may say take a step back from the table and come back when when everyone has had a chance to really regroup. And then in other times we say, you know, if this is a little bit more than you, then perhaps you need to bring in some 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 third party or external help to really help you get over what, what, whatever hurdle may be standing in the way that you may not be able to um, overcome on your own. Mm. But it's really putting that power in their, in their hands to help chart the, 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 the difficult conversation, navigate the difficult conversation, I should say. So these conversations are going to be difficult, but the resources are available, and they're at successionstrength.com. And you can always just check Absolutely. out the book, The Five Critical Succession Conversations, and find that on, like, Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, we'll be back after this commercial break. You could always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim, and we'll talk to you soon. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Tune in to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso for an entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussion with some of the top stars in their fields, from business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, literature, and current events. If you're looking for what's next and comparing it to what's now or what's past, look no further than The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Do you believe that being fit is difficult? Do you think it requires turning in your favorite comfort foods for boring chicken and broccoli and spending hours in a gym? 
It doesn't. Tune into Have It All with Devin Alexander. Devin and her guest experts will show you how you can have it all at any age, from relationships to money to thinking bigger than you've ever imagined. Devin will fast track your goals to yummy reality. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Everyone, welcome back. Leonard Kim here with Rochelle Clark. If you've tuned into the last segment, you really got to see that um, there's different ways that succession could happen. We kind of brought up a situation where something tragic could happen. like, And that was kind of the inspiration of why Rochelle went out there and even started her business in the first place, Succession Train. It's because a family member had passed away, and she had to create a plan to go out there and save the business. But by that time, it was too late. So I wanted to run a theoretical situation by um, Rochelle to see like what she would do. Like let's say, theoretically today, uh, like I, I handed you to the keys to a business. Um, the person who was in charge died. The last person didn't get the position who wanted it, so they left. They took all their key core core key members, and now you're left trying to figure out what to do. Like, what would you do? <laughs> <laughs> Good question, Leonard. Good question. What would I do? Well, to be quite honest, one of the first things that we do, which is why we say when you put a business continuity plan in place, when you're thinking about your business, the first thing that you should do is, even if you have identified the person, point a finger at the one person whom you would like to take over the business if anything were to happen. And the reason that we say this is the amount of energy and infighting that can happen in the event of the absence of the owner, you yes. know, when it comes to successors trying to, to, to figure out who will take over the business or who will run the business, the amount of energy that's used up in identifying that person yes. takes away from actually trying to save the business. So the first mm-hmm. thing that we would do is identify one person, <laughs> mm-hmm. if it hasn't been done before, identify the one person with whom you would put the responsibility for seeing this business through. And I think the psychology behind it, by the psychology behind listing something like this in a business continuity plan is, is similar to the advice that they give in the event of an accident. You know, they say if something were to happen in an accident and you mm-hmm. need to get help from someone, and a crowd is looking on, you don't just yell, call the police. You yeah. look at one person in the crowd, and you say, you call the police. Yeah, and, and the they reason, would call the police. Right. And, and the rationale behind that is that one person, by being identified, whether they want to or not, they know that it is their responsibility, and they tend to rise to the occasion more often than not. So, in the event that something were to happen to you, by having someone named and listed, even though they may not know the intricacies of the business, if you have not had a chance to um, relay those to them, what they would do is take it upon themselves to try to figure things out. 
Right. So what would the successors role be? Like, how would they go about figuring things out? They're put into this situation. They know they have the responsibility. They know they have to fix things. Some things are still operating, but then there's no key players there. And they're in charge now. What do they do? Do they take on like an authoritative style of uh, leading? Do they try to dig up more information and inquire how things operated? Do they watch and observe? Like, is there a best practice to this or? A little bit of both. There's no best practice. It depends on the business itself. Looking at the first thing is secure the, well, three areas. There will be the legal, financial, and operational. You want the business to continue running, so you look at the operations. You have a look at what the critical tasks are and who's responsible for each task. Mm. Um, and you ask those, you find out whether or not the person knows what the workaround may be for that task if it is that you no longer have system access. You know, because yeah. perhaps the, the owner is the only one who needs a password. Okay, so yeah. now what do we do? How do we manually figure this out? Yeah. So you try to secure the operations by figuring out whether the people who are remaining actually know, you know, their roles and whether or not they can fill in for um, fill in the gap that's now left with the absence of the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, if they are able to do that, that frees you up to then handle the legal implications and the financial implications of mm. things. So y- you can almost, well, well, not take a step aside, but focus your energies on the legal side, for example, figuring out what is the contact information for the business lawyer? What about yeah. the accountant? Is the business insured? Are there adequate amounts of business interruption insurance and key employee insurance? Because it could be that you need to access that at the time. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you focus on the legal. But then remember, there's also financial. How yeah. will the bills get paid? And these include <laughs> salaries. <laughs> you know? Yeah. How will we receive money? Um, where are the business accounts and who, uh, you know, which, um, which banks do they sit in and who has signatory rights to these accounts? Mm-hmm. Um, you would hope that, that the business owner has delegated signatory rights to, to other people who are still around um, so that you can access those accounts. Then you need to find out, does the, did the business owner conduct business transactions via their own personal account, which is a big no-no. Um, because then it could be that maybe you really don't have access to a lot of those funds, um, and that may take a little while to sort out with the bank. So yeah. you, you're probably going to have to dedicate a, a lot of time, you know, unraveling some of the financial implications of, of such a loss. Um, one, mm-hmm. one thing that, that I need to bring up, because in a lot of cases, entrepreneurs start businesses with the goal of providing for their families, which is a noble goal that, that I think we all have. Mm-hmm. Um, and in so doing, some of them may have children whom they, they, they co-sign credit cards with. Right? Yeah. Now, remember yeah. the signatories, that the, if, if two people are on the credit card, if something happens to one person, the other person is still on the hook for that. Yeah, poor kid. Right, so we've seen a couple. We've seen a couple of cases actually where the the business owner may be out of the picture, but then here's a child with whom they have the credit card, who is then now responsible for Who's 18 years old and has to pay two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. You know, so so there are a number of areas that 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 need to be addressed. 
to ensure the continuity of that business. But the first mm-hmm. thing first is, is governance. Figure out who will manage the affairs because once that person is identified and, and let them let them be aware of this, please, <laughs> is what we would say. Yeah, um, but I once mean, that I mean, person like, is identified. From, from what you've been telling me, I wouldn't have even thought about like the legal and the finance. Like I would have probably overlooked that if like some situation like that were to occur. So I'm glad you mentioned both of those areas because most people would just look yeah. at the operations and be like, how do I get things running? Um, so I, I think it's very insightful for people to even think that, oh, there's legal implications too, got to get that in order. Then there's also the implications with the uh, finances and how to get everyone paid again. Um, now, mm-hmm. I, I think the most, um, me, I, I think like getting the operations back in order could be one of the most critical components with like the governance that you mentioned, the operations and everything. Yeah. But like, let's say there's yeah. key players left. The people who are there aren't really giving you that much information. Like it's like clawing teeth to figure out like how things are working. Like do you clean the house? How do you get them to work and like join your side? How do you start to yeah. create this governance? Do you have to like create like flowcharts? Like is there like what goes into rebuilding this um, operational plan that lost? So Leonard, to be quite honest, this is where the the, the successor or, or 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 whomever that that delegate is, this is where that person needs to make a decision. <laughs> Does he or she right. have what it takes <laughs> to really restart the company, uh-huh. or do they go into the mode to basically wrap up the business? So do they cry you know, and, or and, fight? and really wind down the affairs? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because you know sometimes they may not have had they may not have the passion that the original owner has, and maybe mm-hmm. they have other things going on in their lives, and they cannot dedicate the time or the energy mm-hmm. to really helping restart this business, more yeah. or less. Let's you know, say, let's say it's a respectable um, position to make. Let's say they're motivated, but everyone's like against them or unwilling. Like, are there any tactics to like make the transition easier? Mm-hmm. Well, and here's where it comes down to the leadership style. Yeah. You know, if it is that they're well, they're now the de facto person in charge, so they mm-hmm. need to to you know get a hold of 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 their employees basically mm-hmm. explain what the situation is to them a lot of case in a lot of situations what we found is that in situations like this especially after a tragedy um members of the business tend to come together or employees tend to come together to try to do everything that's possible to have the business resume yeah right because remember it's it's also their source of income so in that case, you tend to have whomever is taking that role of stepping in to lead the business. That person usually has um, a little bit of leeway when it comes to support, at least initially. Where you have a lot of infighting, however, is when that person has not been clearly identified and a, a, a fight needs to ensue to figure out who will take on that role. Then is where you see factions start to form and, and that's never a good, um, a good situation. To be mm. Yeah, so definitely sounds like leaders do need to be picked out, and it sounds like a really yeah. tough journey. 
Yes, it can be. It can be, but but with some thought and some foresight. And we, we do have the business continuity plan that, that, that some folks have found quite useful uh, out on the website as well. But even from the position of the successor, if, if, if the business owner has identified you as, as the person, you know, hey, by the way, if anything, you know, goes awry, you're the person that I would like to, to, to step in and really handle the affairs, then you as the, as the delegate, the de facto delegate, what we found is that they more or less take it upon themselves to say, whoa, okay, wait a minute, <laughs> what do you do? And, and they take it, an, an interest in how the business is run just so that they are prepared for that eventuality. Mm-hmm. Um, so just by making that, you know, pointing that finger and identifying that one person, you're, 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 you're sharing the responsibility for the, the, the continuity of the business with someone else. And, and, and that, that can be comforting. Um, hopefully you don't end up needing it, but, but it can be comforting. So on your website, um, would someone be able to go and download forms so they could either one, create that plan where uh, there's no brain drain so then they could go, if this happens and I pass away, these are all my responsibilities, these are all the things I did. And two, if someone already passed away and then um, they just had to go and overcome the business, would they have like maybe the outlines and the plans on your website where they could use those as guides to try and figure out how to go and uh, rebuild everything? Absolutely. Absolutely. They're all available on the website, successionstrength.com. And, you know, every, every situation is, is, is unique. So obviously if, if they need any additional help, then, you know, the team is more than willing to, to step in and assist. But we have found, um, very, we've received very good feedback on the plans, the, the succession continuity plans that are out there. Well, I think what you're doing is amazing, especially because, like, you know, tragedy could ha- uh, strike at really any moment, and people really do need to have that exit plan, or not that exit plan, but that plan yeah. on how to move forward. Continuity. And then mm-hmm. if you're making a business, you're probably making it for your family, and then you probably want that to go yeah. down to your family and your next family and the family after that. So I think what you're doing mm-hmm. really could help a lot of people and a lot of entrepreneurs out there. Um so your book, uh, you can find that at Barnes & Noble and Amazon, right? Yes, and, and on the website as well, successionstrength.com, or any of, your, uh, of, of the favorite book distributors, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, but all of the materials are on the website. Um, there's the book. There's, there's, there's a survey, that, a diagnostic survey, a quick free 10-minute survey that businesses can use to help identify what their succession hurdles are, um, and that's free. We have the conversation guides as well as the business continuity plan. And once again, that book's called The Five Critical Succession Conversations, A Comprehensive Guide for the Family Business. Everyone, we really wanted to thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. We'll be seeing you next week and hope you learned a lot from this, uh, from this episode today. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.